Welcome to the Financial Planners Southeast Asia podcast, a show dedicated to driving the positive evolution of financial advice, specifically within Southeast Asia. To join a global community of financial advisors sharing and learning with one another to drive the positive evolution of financial advice, head to xyadvisor.com. Welcome to another episode of the Financial Planners Southeast Asia podcast. Gwen here, and today I am with Felix Neo. So Felix is the director for FinWealth Management in Malaysia, and I won't introduce him further because I'd like to uh, for you guys to get to know him more in his own words. So Felix, first of all, thank you so much for coming to the show. Thanks for having me, Gwen. All right, and uh, I'm really glad that you're here today. But before we dive into our main topic for this podcast, um, I'd like, well, myself and for our guests to get to know you more. So um, how did you get into financial advice? Hmm, that's an interesting uh, question. Sometimes I ask myself, you know, how on earth did I find myself you know, in this <laughs> yeah. direction? But anyway, um, I, I started uh, work in a bank, right? Uh, I was involved with uh, sales of, uh, you know, financial products uh, in the bank. And then, you know, I moved, uh, changed careers a little bit, but I was always in the financial uh, services, uh, you know, financial advisory uh, line of business. And, you know, 20 years later, uh, when I was still in employment, uh, I came to realize that, uh, you know, number one, uh, I felt that, I did not want to be part of a big corporation where my career path uh, is actually very much determined by the company rather than, you know, what I wanted to do. That's the first thing that I realized. The second thing that I realized, and it's also because of, uh, you know, one of my roles uh, was that I was actually head of, uh, you know, investment products in one of the large, uh, you know, Malaysian and Southeast Asian uh, banks. I came to realize that, uh, you know, the way that, that uh, this business is run is it's very much focused on sales. Uh, it's very much focused on generating the revenue, right? That, uh, yeah. you know, the respective departments and all that had committed to senior management, uh, you know, and it's just running the numbers, you know, making sure that, you know, whatever activities we do, uh, you know, gives us a type of revenue that we had anticipated, right? But uh, very often that came at the expense of customers themselves in the sense that, you know, uh, I wouldn't say all the time, but it does happen uh, often enough that, you know, the customers might not actually uh, be sold uh, the right type of products or, you know, the, the, the things, uh, you know, that they end up with may not be in their best interest. And so, you know, when I went through this, this uh, phase of, you know, evaluating, you know, if I didn't want to be in the corporate world anymore, and if I wanted to do something on my own, uh, you know, what, what should I be doing? Uh, you know, and for me at that point in time, it was very clear because of, you know, I have uh, the knowledge, the interests in this uh, area. And, uh, you know, I could see that there was this gap that financial planning, you know, and good uh, financial advice uh, was not actually readily available. There's just too 
uh, few uh, practitioners, uh, you know, relative to the population, right? And so that's when, you know, I, I, I set out, you know, to basically ensure that I had uh, completed uh, the necessary uh, certifications, right? Uh, you know, for me to be able to practice as a licensed financial planner, and then you know, I I you know started to scout around. I would say, you know, in terms of you know which firms, uh, you know, that are offering the type of service services that I had in my mind, you know, that I wanted to offer to my clients, and you know, and and basically, you know. Uh, it was just a, a coincidence, you know, at that juncture, you know, once I had already completed my certifications, uh, the company that I was with uh, did give a severance package, right, which uh, I took up uh, in order for me to have the confidence to come out on my own and, and start this uh, financial planning journey in that sense. Mm, all right. That's, that's awesome. And so now that's that... me in, yeah, that's about me in, in a couple of minutes. Yeah, <laughs> How I actually yes. ventured into this path. Yeah. Yes. And it's very, um, it's like you were really meant for this trajectory because you've been in the financial like um, advice or the, the financial institution for two decades. So I guess more than two decades now. So, um, you must really be passionate about like helping others and with especially with their money. So which leads me to the topic for for this podcast is you were you actually pitched this topic with regards to the value of a financial planner for the working middle class because there's a a, a big misconception and um I've I've heard this time and time again discussed in the podcast, um, not just in my podcast, but in other podcasts as well, that there's a big misconception that financial planning is only for 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 the rich people. So perhaps we can discuss why why financial planners are even more important for the working professionals. Now, I'd like to start on with that with... I guess asking the question, why do people have this misconception in the first place? I think it for me, from my observation, it starts from this point where, or at least in our practice, when a client engages us, right, in a bit to stay independent, right? And you know, knowing at the end of the day that uh, if you look at the business models uh, that exist out there in terms of uh, people in the financial services industry, so we have, uh, and it's very uh, common in Malaysia, and I think you know in most parts of the world for that yeah. matter, is yeah. that we actually have. Uh, it, it's mainly driven by what we call the commission uh, or commission-only uh, kind of a business model, right? So what that means is that uh, you don't get charged a fee, right? But you are sold a product. Right, so whenever you know you go and meet a prospect, you always want to close a sale, right? Simply because you know you got to pay for, you know, for your time, for the parking, for you know the the petrol, um, the, the coal charges, <laughs> the coffee, right? That you might actually have to pay, uh, yeah. you know, for the for the prospect, right? So you want to be able to close a sale. Right to be able to get remunerated, and so it's very uh, much uh, what we call a, a commission-driven uh, type of a, a remuneration structure. 
And yeah. our concern or my concern with that that kind of a, a business structure simply is that, uh, you know, whether or not the product or the service is the best for that client or that prospect, right, you will still be motivated to close the sale, right? Because, you know, that's your only form of remuneration, right? Uh, whereas if you look at it from the other end of the spectrum, there is what we call the fee-only uh, advisors, right? So fee-only advisors, you know, in more developed markets, perhaps in Australia, in the US, in, in UK, perhaps it's much more advanced. Uh, but in Malaysia, uh, you know, it's very uh, rare. Rare, right? yes. Uh, simply because if you are a fee-only uh, uh, financial advisor, what it then means is it's, it could only be logical that uh, if the fee is the only uh, form of remuneration for you, then the cost of that fee will be fairly high. Mm, yes. And in the Malaysian context, if you were to charge a very high fee, you will likely get a no thank you. You know, I can do that on my own. <laughs> yes, it's yes, okay. Yes. Thanks. Uh, Thanks for the information. DIY Off I go. mentality. Mm, yes. Mm. So what we do, uh, you know, at uh, FinWealth is that we actually practice a slightly hybrid uh, kind of a business uh, model, if you like, right? Where, you know, we just loosely call it in a fee for service. So basically, our clients. Uh, do get charged a fee, right? But they receive a very specific service, right? Uh, so our financial planning clients, for example, they would receive uh, a full uh, and comprehensive financial plan, right? And because it is not a one-off, uh, you know, kind of a meeting with uh, our clients, we actually, uh, you know, set it up. The structure of it is more of a, a retainer service, if you like. So what it means is, our clients uh, sign up for a one-year service, right? Which starts off with our, you know, so understanding of their financial situation that culminates with the delivery and presentation of a financial plan. But that's not enough because we are very sure we know, uh, you know, having observed, uh, you know, how how things work, is that you know a plan in itself is actually quite useless, right? It doesn't yeah. really fulfill its objective. We really need to match that with the execution, right? We need to do something about it. So for all of that, right, under our fee-for-service business model, we do charge a fee, right? So the fee, you know, can be anywhere from, you know, one or 2,000 ringgit all the way to, you know, seven, 8,000 ringgit, right? Uh, so back to your question, why is it that there is a perception in the market that, you know, financial planning is only for the rich? It's simply because... Uh, you know, we charge a fee and it's upfront, right? Depending on, in our case, depending on your gross asset value. So you have to pay that upfront, you know, to be able to get all of this. And that is the reason why, because if you, you know, people will be thinking, you know, if you're willing to pay a fee, must be that you are quite rich, right? Yeah. Because, you know, those who are not rich are not going to be, you know, willing to go and pay a fee, right? And this is where we need to unpack uh, the reality for for people, right? Our prospects, right? Uh, what do I mean by that is that, you know, we have to actually share uh, with them the reality of things where, you know, if you're not going to be paying a fee, you are going to be paying a commission, right? And in many instances, the commission, the, the rate of commissions that are being charged by, you are know, higher. Uh, other, uh, even higher, mm -hmm. right? Uh, so, so, you know, that that is, I, I suppose, you know, one uh, main reason why there is that perception, right? I, I can't afford to pay all this stuff fees, right? Fees are only meant for the rich. So therefore, you know, I, 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 you know, I'm not suitable 
I'm the wrong profile for financial planning services. Mm-hmm. That's true. That's true. Um, and I can relate to that in in the sense that it's like valet parking. So most people, or at least for the middle class and lower middle class, they would never <laughs> they would never want valet parking because it is an added charge for for like exactly. for some. Yeah. Right. And um, so they they have this this mindset that valley parking is only reserved for the rich and who can afford that additional charge to have their car parked for them. So something like that. Now, before we dive further into this topic, I just want to, I, I guess, set this thing straight because I realized that this is, this is a, um, a term that is up for debate. How should we define the working middle class okay so i mean the way we define it is is very broad right uh what i mean is you know if if you are still you know not uh financially independent right if you are still uh so-called uh not at your optimum uh you know earning capacity right uh, you know, in your respective fields or, or your profession, right? Uh, you know, if you still have a lot of, I would say, unsatisfied or unfulfilled uh, financial goals, right? I.e. you're still working towards achieving those. Then I would say that, you know, you could consider yourself as, you know, uh, a, a working class, right? A, a middle, you know, uh, working class, in that sense, and, and to me, there's absolutely nothing wrong uh, with that, right? Mm, yes. Uh, because at the end of the day, uh, you know, we need something to motivate us forward, right? And yes, if we think, yeah, you know, I, I'm only at this, and I'm not actually fully achieved my, uh, you know, my complete or, you know, financial financial uh, yeah, capacity. I'm not. I'm not really there yet. Yeah, I still have those goals, and it's still unfunded and all that kind of thing. So yeah, you know, then you should be working towards that. Yeah. So, yeah, I just wanted to get that out of the way because um, there was a debate or there's a misconception. So a lot of people think that they're in the middle class, but some of them are actually either above the middle class or below the middle class. So, um, yes, I just wanted to get that out of the way so that we can properly define it. But now... I guess leading up to to that or is the challenge of persuading the the middle class or the middle income consumers to actually um, go ahead and seek financial planning for themselves. So how can financial planners actually address these concerns in the first place? Because a lot of people who um, look at financial planners and they don't like discuss this with with their friends and their their family because they think in their minds that they don't need it in the first place. So, how do you think can financial planners address these misconceptions um, at least within their community or their um, their audience? Hmm. Uh, you know, you are, you've actually hit the the nail on the head uh, in the sense that you know very often when we when we do you know, have a job, an opportunity to sit down, you know, with a prospect and talk about financial planning, you know, talk about, you know, why financial planning is important and why you actually need to focus on these areas. 
very often what we find is that people, they do come in with a perception of, you know, how they, uh, how they fare in terms of personal finance. So one of the things that we do ask, uh, you know, people that we meet for the first time, you know, before we present, uh, you know, an introduction to our service, we normally would just ask, you know, if I had to give you, if you were to give yourself a rating, you know, from, you know, one to 10, in terms of how well you're doing financially, where would you rate yourself, right? So they will give themselves a rating, you know, six, seven, eight, whatever that number is, right? And then we go through our presentation, right? You know, in terms of, you know, uh, what are the issues, you know, that the middle class, uh, you know, would face? Uh, what are the, the, you know, important aspects of financial planning, you know, and are you doing it and all that? And when we end the presentation and we ask the same question again, uh, you know, suddenly they find themselves, oh, you know what, I think I might have rated myself too high, right? Because based on what you've actually told me, you know, I've actually not done this, I've not done that, I've not done, you know, this or, or, you know, I did this, but it was a long time ago. Hey, you know what, the insurance policy is something that I bought 20 years ago. Perhaps it's no longer relevant for me, right? So, so uh, you know, the way to address is, is that, you know, I think uh, we need to create the kind of awareness that, uh, you know, financial planning is for everybody. It's not for a certain, uh, you know, type or class of, of people out there only. Uh, what is different is the, the specific financial planning needs of uh, individuals are different, right? It can be dependent on, you know, where they are in terms of the life cycle. It can be different in terms of where they are from a financial uh, perspective, right? You know, how much assets, uh, you know, could make a difference. Uh, their lifestyle, you know, uh, you know. In I mean, I don't mind sharing in the in the Malaysian context, you know, with uh, with uh, Sharia laws, uh, you know, for those who are you know uh, Muslims or those who marry a Muslim, you know, they are still going to be governed under Sharia laws. Then you know the the decisions that you make, you know, from a financial uh, planning perspective, is, will will be different. Yeah, you know, as a result of that, right? So you have to cater for that, right? A, a person who is, you know, still in the cum an accumulation phase of their life, uh, of their working life, you know, you're in your forties, you're in your fifties, kids are still, uh, you know, uh, in college, going through the education in yeah. college and uni and what have you, uh, you know, that kind of uh, phase, your needs are different from someone who is already, you know, uh, empty nester, right? You know, you've already got the kids. Uh, done the the education bits now is retirement, uh, you know it's going to be a different need again. So you you know from that example you can actually see that the needs it's ever present. The financial planning needs of everyone is ever present. The only difference is that it changes over time, right? Depending on one's situation and all that. And therefore, uh, financial planning is an ongoing process. That's true. So I guess because it is an ongoing process. And this broadens up the things that financial planners can actually offer to, um, to, to the middle class, right? But I guess because at different life stages, there are people tend to earn different types of income. So what do you think would be like the best way that a financial planner can provide to the middle class in terms of each stages in their financial lives? Okay, so if you, I mean, if we if we try to uh, so-called simplify it, right? So if you're in your early part of your careers, right? So, you know, you are in perhaps the first three or five years of, of your working life, right? 
your needs are going to be a little bit different. What I mean is that, you know, uh, so you're going to be quite young and you're going to be expecting, you know, one of the, the, the problems when we do with very young uh, adults is that they think they're going to be living forever, right? They can live forever, yeah. you know, nothing's going to happen to them, you know, what kind of risk, what do you mean by risk, right? What do you mean by retirement, right? I, I'm far away from me. But yeah. the reality is that we need to make sure that they have, you know, at least the bare minimum protection needs, right? So, you know, you'll be talking about protection, uh, you know, you'll be talking about you know, making sure that you play a bit of defense uh, in the sense that, you know, you make sure that your cash reserves are there, right? Uh, just in case, you know, anything happens, there's a redundancy of any sort or there is, you know, an additional bill that comes your way that's unexpected. You know, you have the funds rather than to go into debt uh, to pay that off, right? So protection, uh, you talk about, you know, the cash reserves, right? And you need to, and then you, you also talk about, you know, starting that uh, investment plan, right? Uh, you know, you might not be, have the hundred thousand to to put down on any kind of investment, but you probably have, uh, because of you know your 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 earning capacity, you probably have you know the hundred, the two hundred, the three hundred, uh, ringgit that you can actually put down right in in an investment plan and start you know accumulating from there. So it's the 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 I would say the the focus is very much on the protection bit, playing the defensive right, and also starting on the right path right uh right path in terms of having the right kind of financial habits right because you don't want to develop bad financial habits at the very early stage of your working careers that's right? so true yes yeah so the focus uh you know for an early career person would be that right whereas if you are so-called in your middle middle career then perhaps you're talking about those who uh, may have already now gotten married you know maybe you have one uh, child already, right? So you can already imagine that, uh, you know, as income, you know, is growing, but then your commitments are now increasing, right? So with the commitments increasing, then uh, the question is, if anything happens, right, uh, what will happen to the dependents, right? So then perhaps and this is where, for example, term insurance is more important, uh, you know, just in case you, you know, anything happens to you, the mortgage set, gets settled, for example. Uh, anything happens to you, the kid's education is still not going to be affected, right? The tertiary education will not be affected. Uh, so uh, protection uh, needs is important. But again, because incomes are rising, then your ability to fund investment opportunities will be higher, right? But again, you need to, you know, do it diligently. So, uh, you know, if you can call it, you know, forced saving or automatic automatic savings, uh, you know, that's actually going to go uh, a much uh, longer way. But the beauty of, you know, being, you know, uh, in, in this stage, you you will likely have more uh, so-called funds for investments. You know, you can get, uh, if you if you work in a good uh, job or career, for example, a bonus might come uh, your way and you have the lump sum for investment. So you have, uh, you know, more opportunities in that stage, Right. Whereas the later career person, you know, would now be saying, you know what, uh, my kids have actually drained me from, uh, you know, all my savings. Now I need <laughs> to really, really, you know, focus on Save the, for the retirement yeah. savings. Yeah, the retirement savings, and I really need to. And and it's in in a sense for many that's the peak of their careers as well. So the ability for them to do that is there, right? But there is a risk uh, that they need to be mindful of, and that is that. Uh, you know, you don't want to uh, 
you don't want to make any mistakes or you want to minimize the the chance of uh, a financial mistake because yes, then it's going to set you back your, and your uh, and you towards, are the, towards end the end correct yeah. of your working careers you, you really don't have the luxury of time to make up you know for whatever lost uh, time and if i would just end with you know once you are in the retirement phase then you know again you can already imagine the needs would be different you know the protection needs for for you know death or, or permanent disablement that you had actually gone for when you were much younger you probably don't need that anymore perhaps you haven't got you know a a, a good medical uh, plan at that juncture then you know you want to make sure that you have a good uh, plan in place you know so so the needs uh, as you can see will be very different depending on the life stage that one is in Yes, and um, I really wanted to tackle that because um, because of different stages in our lives, we also have different financial capacities and different types of commitments throughout like the the our life years. And I guess I I wanted to touch on that because. Um, well, throughout the life stage, and because we have different like financial capacities for each of the stages, um, how can a financial planner price their services with um, that would cater to each of these life stages? Because it's going to be different, and um, we want to make sure, right, that um, that we can provide the an excellent um, plan plus execution program for the client. But we also want to make sure that we're not um, doing this in the expense of our business. So like, and I guess this is a very, um, I guess it's hard for me to place this question because it is um, quite a, a big topic to do. But yes, I just wanted to start with that. Like, um, what would be an ideal business model for financial planners to be able to sustain their business, but at the same time cater to each life stage of um, a working middle class? Okay, so you're right that you know we we deal with clients, uh, you know, from various uh, you know stages of of their careers, as well as different uh, you know financial uh, standing, right, in terms of their net worth or their gross assets and and what have you, and it is for that reason, right, that in our minds we are very clear, right, that financial planning is actually for everyone. Right? You need financial planning, you know, irrespective of who you are, right? The only thing that is different is, you know, what are the aspects of financial planning that is more important to to one versus another, you know, would depend on you know the individual uh you know uh, situation. But financial planning is for all, right? So that's the first thing. Then when we look at the clients themselves, right? Uh, you know, give you an example. Let's say if a person is, you know early careers, right? To ask them to pay a few thousand in terms of fees, uh, you know, that would be something that they probably might not be able to, uh, number one, you know, cough up the funds or they will find that, you know, it's probably not justified because they might not be able to maximize uh, the opportunity, uh, you know, of the whole financial planning process. They're going to be very much just paying fees to to gain knowledge, but then when it comes to the execution, or because you know funding is not there for this, funding is not there for that, or you don't have this need that uh, yet, you know you don't have that need yet. So in terms of execution, it could be minimal. So 
so then that being the case, then while we still have financial planning as the overriding uh, you know, service that we uh, offer, but for a person in that kind of a situation, right, then the focus will be more on the product, product delivery, right? So what it means is with just simplified financial planning uh, tools, right, then we connect the clients to the products that will already meet that. Okay, so I'll give you, I'll give you a very simple uh, example. So for many people in that kind of a stage, right, uh, they want to start investing, right? Mm, yes. Now, when you want to start investing, the problem uh, that many will face is that, you know what, when I want to invest, I want a higher return. That, that, must be the, that must be the game plan, right? Higher returns always better, right? Uh, but for us, because we have financial planning in mind, right? All our advisors are trained in that way that we have financial planning as the end goal for everyone. Uh, however, financial planning in the context of a very young, uh, you know, working career person uh, might be more of accessing the right kind of investment uh, product, uh, you know, to suit their needs, but eventually they can graduate towards the whole financial planning process, but it is going to be in a seamless way. It is a seamless progression, right? So, so what it means is that when we do investing for, uh, you know, someone of that kind of a profile, we share with them, uh, in terms of you know financial goals, right? What are you saving this money for? Do you have a goal in mind? Is it because you intend to use it as a down payment, for example, uh, for the purchase of uh, uh, your home, a new home that you want to buy? Is it for that purpose, or is it for another purpose? Someone else could actually have oh you know very simple uh, type of uh, 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 you know goals at that stage, or you know maybe I want to go for a trip. You know, some I want to go to Australia, for example, for a holiday. It's going to cost me ten thousand ringgit. Right? I want to save towards that, right? So we put it into, uh, you know, the context of you know when you're investing at that stage, right, of your life, think about it in terms of the goal. So when we think about it in terms of the goal, then uh, there is a lot of clarity there. Why? Because we would be asking things like, for example, what is the amount that you need to save towards that? Right. So, what is that amount for that goal? How many years uh, would you uh, be planning to save towards that goal? Right. And then it becomes quite apparent to us, right? Okay, you know, what kind of returns can you uh, sensibly achieve versus, you know, do you really need to achieve to be able to to hit that goal? And if that 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 return that is required, the ROI that is required, is just simply not possible. Right or you know it's it's going to be very scammy type of returns twenty four percent twenty thirty percent return per annum is required. Then we tell the customer, well, you have to be realistic about it. Either you go to save more, or you know reduce the goal target, or delay uh, that 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 purchase well, right yeah. a little bit later. So 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 what I'm saying is that you know when we uh, you know deal with people from different uh, so called backgrounds, then it's either we start with so-called that product and we still call it product advisory, right? So, so it is advice in that sense because I'm not just selling you a product for the sake of selling you a product, you know, I'm selling it to you in the context of a financial plan, right? Uh, so that eventually when you graduate to the full financial planning uh, uh, service, it is still very similar. We're still talking about the same things. It's, this, it's still the same lingo. I'm not going to change my advice just because you have now 
uh, paid for an advisory fee, right? It's still very consistent in that sense, right? Uh, so and then, and then you know if you are so called already, you know the the so called middle class, right? Then obviously you know you have the option of either going for what we call a modular uh, kind of a service. That means you just focus on one particular area first, or you go for the the full service, which is a holistic, uh, you know, financial planning service, where we look at all the key areas uh, of personal finance, right? So, so that will be, yeah. Yeah, yeah, and uh, so thank you so much. That's very. Um, it was. Uh, I think that if there are uh, regular people who are listening to this, uh, to your explanation, it makes more sense. So it really clarifies a lot because. It makes sense for for regular people to start that way to have no money and therefore they just need the bare basics and um, because there's a I feel like there's a really big difference um, in looking into two types of people those who have um, reached out to a financial planner and those who do not so let's say there's a twenty something who wanted to start investing. And then this person wants to do a DIY. And so that person started investing first without getting protection. Well, the other person who reached out to a financial planner, um, upon hearing the financial planner's um, advice to them, took protection first before um, taking on investments. And that makes a whole lot of difference in, in terms of how they see their finance and how they are going to towards their goals for the future. So it sets up a really like um, solid foundation for further um, financial for financial management if they are able to, uh, I guess, get a hold of a financial planner. Now, yes. so because I always see a financial planner. And I've learned this um, through experience that a financial planner takes care of your blind spots. So if you're reaching towards a goal, um, there are some or a lot of small things um, and may they may be small, but they can actually have a lot of impact to your future. And these things can be addressed by a financial planner. Um, but, and, and that's the problem with our generation now and the previous generation was that they were not able to determine these blind spots because there were no financial planners or the financial planners were not very, or it wasn't really known, right, that there were financial planners. Or if it was known that there were financial planners, um, people didn't believe in in the industry yet. So now people have been aware and continue to be aware of the value of a financial planner for their lives and, and now hopefully more working class people can also have that um, idea that the financial planner is working for them instead of against them so they're not really the salesman type anymore so I guess my uh, my next question would be for you Felix is you mentioned that when it comes to when it comes to a point in time that your client can either go for a holistic ser- a financial service or a modular service like can you tell us more of the difference between the two and like how can and and what are the differences 
in terms of um, execution as well with the two types of services. Okay. So basically, in Malaysia, at least, you know, people like to, you know, find uh, product solutions, right? They, so product solutioning uh, tends to be, you know, uh, easy in the sense that, you know, if you have a need, uh, you know, uh, get the right uh, product provider and you can get the product. So that's more on the product side. What we try and do is we add a little bit more uh, to that whole mix by saying, you know what, yes, we have a lot of products, right? We are, able, we are in a position to give you independent advice, uh, by virtue of us having the right kind of licenses to be able to sign up with multiple product providers, you know, so we can actually do the evaluation uh, for the clients and then present to them, you know, here's uh, what we think are the best three, for example, uh, ideas. And you can choose from any and we are indifferent to whichever you choose simply because we represent them all, right? And we've really done that first level evaluation for you. So that is uh, the product side. Then, you know, sometimes the customer might say, you know, but I actually need a little bit more uh, in-depth information uh, to that, right? Uh, you know, it might, for example, uh, involve, uh, you know, studying, uh, you know, for example, the client's financial uh, situation first before, you know, making that kind of a recommendation. i just give you a simple one. Let's say, for example, it's estate planning, right? Yeah. Mm. So when you're trying to write a will or you, you know, uh, very often you you go and see uh, in Malaysia we have uh, what we call will writers uh, you know apart from the lawyers and other we also have will writers now the thing is that if you go to the will writer and if the uh, you know sometimes uh, you know it is very much the client tells you you know what he wants and then you just uh, follow through yeah mm. uh, but the the reality is that whatever the client tells you again you mentioned just now about blind spots. So he doesn't really know, he might not know his blind spots. Yes. Right? He doesn't know what he doesn't know. So, you know, so by virtue of, you know, no one having a little bit more in-depth understanding of his situation, right, then he will not, uh, the advisor is not able to give, you know, the relevant advice in that sense because no visibility. So, so in that sense, a customer might actually, you know, take up, you know, the estate planning uh, modular service where, then we go through a little bit more in depth, uh, you know. But it's it's again a little bit more, but not comprehensive, right? Not just beyond the 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 estate planning aspects of things, right? So I'll be honest with you, Glenn. The the truth of the matter is that that modular service is actually not, uh, you know, very. Uh, I would say Ideal. not very popular. Yeah. Mm, okay. uh, yeah, not very popular. Simply, simply because. Uh, as I mentioned, we start off by actually placing the priority on financial planning, uh, you know, as a service, simply because we believe that that is really what everybody needs, right? Uh, so, so you know, the customer will say, you know, what I actually, uh, you know, want to do this estate planning, you know, service, and then you know, oh, you know, the, your your full financial planning service is a little too high for me. I can only afford a little bit lower than that. So then if that's the case, then then we might you know, end up offering this modular type of service. Although we know that in actual fact, the customer uh, would still benefit the most through the holistic financial planning service. All right? So it's there. It's not really something that we uh, so-called uh, advocate uh, yeah. uh, strongly. It's just there. In the event that, you know, you want more than a product, but you're not ready for the holistic yet. 
right? So, so, so it's so-called a bit of a middle ground. Uh, but the idea here is that you know once the customers experience, uh, you know the the service, and once uh, the trust is built, right? So because we are talking about personal finance, you know, it's very well personal, right? Yes. So, so you know, not not everybody, and especially in in the context of Malaysians, you know, uh, I actually find myself. Uh, so-called teasing uh, prospects, you know, I, I go through the fact-finding or, or what I call the, the client understanding questionnaire uh, with uh, new prospects. And then, you know, when I'm done with it, I just pause and I just ask them, you know, have you ever, uh, you know, uh, reviewed or shared so much in terms of your finance with uh, with anyone before? With anyone else. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, basically you can really imagine nine out of 10 of them you would say that, oh, no, I've never, you know, then you can suddenly see their eyes, you know, they're like a little bit concerned. Oops, what have I done? <laughs> so that's where obviously for our part, we need to assure, you know, those prospects that, you know, we are licensed, number one, right? Even though you're not our clients yet, right? We still have the duty of care to ensure that whatever information that you've revealed will be kept PNC, right? So we assure them. But the point is that, you know, uh, trust is something that will be, it takes time to build, right? So so some uh, people, you know, they start off with something simple, like I said, you know, like the product advisory service or the modular uh, service. And when they actually see, uh, you know, our approach to that whole advisory process, right? And they are, you sort of get more and more comfortable with it. And that's when, you know, they might find themselves, you know, uh, being able to see the value of yeah. uh, going for the full financial planning service, yeah. Yeah, I, I definitely agree because I'd like to think that the modular services are actually like a foot in the door um, Correct. for you to um, like showcase your, um, your services and um, show them how, how valuable your advice is or how financial planning is. And once they have, as you said, gained that trust, because I think that people are willing to pay more um, if they trust a certain person or they trust a certain brand, right? Like, um, yes. let's say luxury brands like Chanel or Gucci, they even if they know that it's very expensive, like they're paying for the brand, but because they know that that brand actually delivers, um, has good quality, good customer service, all that good stuff, they're willing to pay more. So. Yes, yeah, I think exactly. that's a that's a really um, great way to start off with uh, for a person's financial planning journey because if the middle class hopes to build a financially viable future, it's important to take care of those blind spots. And what better way for for that to to be taken care of than through a financial planner? So thank you so much, Felix, for. Um, uh, discussing this very uh, crucial topic with me in this podcast today. But before we we end the show, I'd like to um, ask if you if if there are any people out there who want to get to know you more or want to know more about the services that you're offering um, in FinWealth, how can they reach you or where can they get to know you more? Um, I think the easiest uh, is basically to check out our website. It's finwealth, F-I-N-W-E-A-L-T-H dot com dot my. Uh, you know, our information uh, in terms of our services as well as our contact details and all that are there, right? Uh, or you can actually look for us on Facebook as well. 
Ah, oh, wonderful. So I actually have those on my notes. So I'll put the everything in the show notes for this podcast below. And again, thank you so much, Felix, for coming into the show. And I really appreciate all of the knowledge that you've shared with us today. And I hope this helps not only financial planners to um, offer more services and provide more value for, um, for the working middle class, but for the people who are listening to this podcast as well. So have a good one. Thank you, Gwen.